Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Tea Podcast, your one-stop podcast for video game news, reviews, and banter. We are your hosts. My name is JP. I'm Zach. And I'm Zar. With introductions out of the way, let's start the show. All right, guys, so let's talk about Warcraft 3. Let's take a look at this article. Blizzard apologizes for the condition of Warcraft 3. Reforged promises action. Uh, This is from Polygon Charlie Hall. So, Zach, did you actually play this? I know you're the big... So, I'm I'm the big Warcraft guy, but I've never been an RTS fan. Right. And um, basically what I got out of this is Blizzard is just continuing to go full Activision. (laughs) <laughs> um, they've been they've been doing Shots this <laughs> the past they did the whole Hearthstone China incident and they didn't really mm. apologize to that they overreacted on a guy who made a political statement for standing with China and um, I think it was Blitz Chung basically they shut him down they took away his prize money for his winnings they did oh all I heard stuff. about that that was terrible that really was that was awful and so that was kind of like a like a strike a big strike one like the, just the public eye of Blizzard and then there um, was the Diablo phone on your phones and how they apologized by that was saying like, oh, do you not have phones? When they know that all of their... <laughs> your, broke, your broke asses should have had phones. I don't know why you're mad. <laughs> and like they, they should know and have some sort of demographic to know that like, I want to say over 80% of their people like are all like big into PC things. So why would you like sit there, build up this giant hype train for like Diablo 4 and then go out with this like off-brand Diablo prequel bullshit on your phone. Like, I just think that was that was a big strike too. And now we're at strike three, where they really couldn't mess this up. It's a game that they made back in like 1999 to 2002 is when they were making it, and they released it, and it was a great game. They had all these features that came right. out at launch. You could do custom games, you could stream it, play online. Yeah. And now you're talking 20 years later, all they have to do is update the assets yeah, and some had, of the coding. All they had to do was just slap some paint, new coat of paint on this game and make it look pretty. And they couldn't do it. They were like, how can we monetize this, maximize profits? And I understand how they were kind of scared to custom games because, I mean, thanks to Warcraft 3, um, D- not Diablo, Dota was made. And they like lost so much money to right. um, the entire MOBA genre, which they helped kind of create in a way. And, mm-hmm. and so now they're just seizing everyone's content. Like the mod scene, they kind of took it all away, didn't they? And that's what they're. That's what I think a lot of the controversy is coming from. And just the fact that some of the animations look like crap. They downgraded the graphics versus the trailers. You know it's what's funny? That... One dumb thing after another that really just disappoints the crap out of me. That the, it's funny you mentioned the mentioned the animations thing. Isn't that exactly why people were pissed off at the last Pokemon game? Was because they made it a point of saying how fucking great. Well, there's my one fuck for the episode. How great these new animations were going to be, and got everybody pumped up. And then they were just reusing things with a new fresh coat of paint. It wasn't different. Yeah, that's prob- That's pretty much exactly what's going on here too, right? I mean, and along those lines, I saw several reviews of of the game where people were saying that the character skins just didn't fit, like they just regressed to a test pattern. And, and a couple people said that every skeleton they ever encountered just was a solid lime green. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, pretty. That's pretty sad. When, like you guys said, and like I, we mentioned, that you just need to update the assets like the game was great there's not mm-hmm. much to change besides 
I mean, obviously you want to be like a higher frame rate and more smooth process and make it look nicer. Right. It's not like they're inventing, they don't have to invent new story thing or anything like that. It's yeah, all they're not just... reinventing the wheel here. Right. <laughs> you know what my favorite part about this actually is though? My favorite is the statement from Blizzard. We want to say we're sorry to those of you who didn't have the experience you wanted. Not we're sorry we made a crap gang. We're sorry that you feel bad about it. Well, at least <laughs> now they're finally rolling out refunds. No question. Oh, they asked. are. They are giving yeah. out the refund. Okay. I thought they had their uh, heels well, they, in the ground on that for a little while. They did. They did. It was just recently with all of the outrage from the fan community that they're finally like, all right, we'll give you refunds. No questions asked. But that's it. That's all you get. <laughs> Someone actually had to make a Reddit post on like the 10 step process to get a refund. <laughs> but it's pretty complicated. And it was like, yeah. And then a week later, like, just like uh, Sar said, that's how they uh, finally did it. That's absolutely nutty, man. I mean, Blizzard has just been so wild lately. Oh, my God. And I say full Activision in the most derogatory sense I can think of because this is a company that I respected a lot. They were up there with, like, for like if I bought a Blizzard product, I know it was quality. I knew if I had any problems, I can contact customer service. They'd help me out. Well, I mean, you know. you've, how, how many years did you play WoW? I feel like You've was, been around with Blizzard for a long time. It was like eight years of good Like I started in like, like middle of the Burning Crusade all the way up to uh, Warlords of Draenor. And um, I mean, usually like obviously like when WoW was coming out, WoW, I, I think everyone realized it was kind of on its downfall. I mean, a 10 year old game, right. milking that much money. I mean, there's only so much you can do. Um, Did you play WoW, Lazar? No, I, I never played WoW. I, I thought the... Uh, pay rate was a little steep for me 15 bucks a month i mean i'd get behind like five five dollar a month yeah it's just like it was you could any time you have a problem there was like uh gosh what do you even call them they're like moderators gms in the game they'd help you out they're pretty down-to-earth people that were like oh yeah you have this problem how can i help you fix it they fix it so it just sucks to see that like that activision merger that kind of happened in 2008 is really like you didn't think it would hit this hard but it's really it feels like it's taken over the company such, such a dynasty of a company just falling under its own weight and, and its own pride almost, it seems. That's really the biggest tragedy about all this. I hate to say it, but with all the things that has been going on with Blizzard lately, I feel like they haven't really stopped all that much. Like as far as like people using and playing their games, you know, Overwatch is still the number one biggest esports game in the world right now, right? I mean, has that really changed since this Blizzard controversy started? I mean, you could always argue League of Legends and Dota, yeah, but then I'm you've not absolutely like, got that. But um, yeah, like Overwatch is still a really hype game, but just a part of me knows like how long until they they screw something up there too, and I'm just ready to see something else. They let Heroes of the Storm died recently. Um, to support Overwatch, they put pretty much all their esports into Overwatch, which is right. fine. I mean, yeah, Heroes wasn't nearly as popular as other two MOBAs, so I get that. And then you have uh, Diablo 4, which is coming sometime. StarCraft is dead in the water. Um, with like, I think they have small little commander updates every now and then, which I don't think is huge. World of Warcraft has this next new expansion coming out, but honestly, WoW in my eyes looks like it's on its last leg, even though they're trying new things. Nothing ever really seems new in that regard, at least in my opinion. And you think that could be also just because it's been around so long? Oh yeah. To the point where it's like, what, what new could we really do? You know, this is the game that's been around for so long. We've done it all. And, and it, the thing about the the new uh, people is you kind of heard their, old, their whole PR speak before. 
So you can't really get too hyped up because you never know when the promise is going to be broken versus when they're actually going to follow through on it. Right. Which, I mean, WoW's a big game. There's a lot of people who want a lot of different games. Like, they have Pokemon in that game as far as concerned with their battle pets. <laughs> they, have, they, they literally spawned a card game out of it thanks to Hearthstone. Oh, yeah, um, I've seen a lot of people playing that card game. Yeah, I know a lot of people that love Hearthstone. It's just absolutely, like, miraculous. Like, all the things that you can do in that game. And it's kind of what, like you kind of said, they're kind of crushing on their own weight because they're trying to reach so many people. And that's just not feasible at this point. Hmm. Well, Any last thoughts on this, let's, man? Let's, let's get back to, to Warcraft just a little bit. Kind of dissect this really down. I, I found a lot of pros and cons. A lot of them came from Game Radar. So I kind of wanted to see what your guys' take on this was. Sure. So pros, I only have about three pros about the game itself yeah all right let's hear it so updated graphics obviously everybody was, was okay. kind of excited about that because now your characters don't just look like blocks of pixels they're no. they're actually pretty detailed from what i've seen okay that's absolutely fair the animation and movement style also was improved and the landscapes look pretty good with a lot of attention to detail and updated but that also comes with another con, which I'll, I'll get into later. Okay. Um, the sounds were, were really crisp, too. They really did a good job on voiceover quality and just in-game sounds, I thought. You know what? That's something that they usually, that Blizzard itself usually always nails. It's just like, if you listen to the sound quality of their games, which not a lot of people do, but it's usually great. Well, those are... Sound and graphics are just essential for our day and age where everything is remastered. Like all of our games, Spyro, Halo, Crash Bandicoot even, they're all being remastered with these fresh coats of sure. paint and great sounds. So that was a step in the right direction. But but obviously from what we're seeing here, it's not everything. It's, it's definitely not, not everything. It's not everything. And I suppose the last pro I have is that the story was untouched. It was exactly what pro what they promised is the same experience that you could have had back in 2002 or three when this game was released. Sure. So, I mean, that in my eye is really good, but that also leads to another con, which I'll start off the con list. Yeah, I'm really interested. This is what I'm really interested in. <laughs> this was about a page and a half of, of cons is to jump off of the last pro. There's nothing new. There's absolutely zero new. Just in the no game. new ideas, basically. No, just no. nothing new that was implemented. Okay. A lot of the reviews I found were that the game is identical to its predecessor. Right. That it it just didn't introduce any new concept. And I mean, as a remake, it can't really introduce new concepts. But but they actually took away concepts. Yeah. They took they, away some of the the opti not the optimization the choice you had when you make custom games. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, one of the largest cons I found was that it's a forced download. It's 30 gigabytes that is mandatory for you to run the game. Even if you have the original disc right. back from the early 2000s. You still have to download a 30 gigabyte file on your computer to play. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You, there's no way around it. You cannot use this game unless you take the update. But even then, a lot of people have reported the update will never finish. And if it does finish, they can't launch the game. It just crashes on startup. 
See, I mean, you can forgive a lot of stuff, but if you can't even play the damn game, I mean, yeah. it's... <laughs> like, it's, it's pretty game-breaking. That's actually the first time I've heard about yeah. that problem in particular. That's crazy. People can't even open the damn game. <laughs> I was going to say, a PC forced out doesn't sound too dramatic to me, but, like, yeah, if you can't it, open it, that's kind of a really huge Honestly, oversight. it didn't to me either, because I think that's what they wanted to try and do, is just get away from, like people who have been using the disc forever i mean we're trying to get away from that just with downloading games like on your gaming console or your pc which is what i do i didn't have that much of a problem with that in itself you know them trying to force you to download something but yeah if it doesn't fucking work then i mean i think a, a quick fix here just to like save a little bit of face with the community would definitely be to let people play the original game again absolutely just like give people their game back untouched while they fix the new problems that have arisen from this remaster. Mm -hmm. You got any other big cons? I, I, I mean, I suppose that... this, this con list could go on forever. Um, I found out that Metacritic actually gave it a 0.5 out of 10, which I think is the lowest. A 0.5 out of 10? <laughs> Not even a whole point. Holy shit. Yeah, so this game is bad, and the con list could go on forever. Not many pros. I, I think we pretty much nailed it there. <laughs> and I really think the big takeaway here is, I mean, like, just for Blizzard's sake, like, don't, don't get, like, money hungry, but also, like, remasters if you don't do them right don't do them how the community wants you're gonna hear about it and it's gonna be pretty gross because some of those things might seem trivial to others but the people who've been playing the game for 20 years they have really clear expectations and that can really bite you in the butt really quick because that's mostly users just giving it a terrible score but it's not the review bombing that you're seeing it's passionate fans who are writing paragraph on paragraph mm -hmm. about how dissatisfied with the product they are absolutely yeah, end of the day, for all game companies out there, doesn't matter if you're a dynasty or an independent developer, listen to your fans. Oh, listen to your fans. That's the simple key of it. Just listen to your fans. Absolutely. 100%. The Outer World Switch release delayed due to the coronavirus. This was written by Megan. Oh my God. Farouk Manesh. I'm sorry. If you're listening to this, Megan, I am so sorry. <laughs> I butchered la your last name. Uh, the Verge. She's doing this for The Verge. Video game publisher Private Division is delaying the Nintendo Switch port of Obsidian Entertainment's The Outer Worlds due to the coronavirus outbreak. The company announced the news today via Twitter, adding that the virus is impacting the Virtuous team working on the port. All right, so... I'm getting a lot of stuff out of this article, just this short one, um, but essentially the basis of it is because of the coronavirus outbreak, a lot of games are being delayed. I want to throw this out there. I, I love my games, obviously, but I hope everybody who's experiencing the coronavirus is safe. Well, there is a silver lining. Later on in the article, it does say that the development team is all safe and healthy, and they just closed their offices as a health precautionary measure. No, that's absolutely awesome. You know, so glad they're alive and well. Uh, you see it so many times in the industry where, look, I get it. People want the game super badly. We want the newest, latest, great game that we're all super excited about having. But oftentimes you see a lot of these game developers like kind of put their health or like their mental health or in this case, their physical health too in jeopardy because people want this game so much and they're afraid of the backlash a little bit of saying, oh, it's delayed. I would much rather have a game be delayed a little bit if I know the game developers are, like I said, safe physically, like obviously because of the coronavirus, but you hear it all the time too about like 
these game developers that are having all these mental health issues just because of how crazy they have to work to hit this deadline. Oh, yeah, deadlines are killer. Mm-hmm. Quite possibly literally in times. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But no, it, not often do you see a game being delayed due to an epidemic or like... No, you're right. This is a first plague going around. Usually it's like cutbacks and budget crisis and broken levels. But no, this is because illness is rampant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Scary stuff. It really is. I just can't get over. There's actual, like, like you said, plague kind of going around right now and it's just like really spooky. It is. It's spooky. It kind of makes like the whole, oh, our games are getting delayed thing kind of trivial in comparison. But still, I feel like anyone who is a big fan of The Outer Worlds has probably already played it. But I mean, Zach, you're the kind of guy that you love seeing these ports to the Nintendo Switch. How do you feel about seeing the date get delayed a little bit because of all this? For people's health, absolutely not even like slightly concerned. There's plenty of games to play and there will continue to be plenty of games to play. Just hope people stay healthy and safe because yeah like i said i just it just like blows my mind that we have like this epidemic <laughs> going on right now well yeah because in the news all you hear about is the this coronavirus but you know as a gamer you didn't really think it would affect your world your virtual world but here it is it's yeah it's absolutely crazy Another interesting part about this article, though, that's not related to the coronavirus, is um, part of the first paragraph there. The physical version will now be released via Cartridge 2, following complaints over the boxed Switch product containing only a download code. I'm going to be honest, I'm not one of those kinds of guys that really like to harbor games. Whenever I can download something digitally, I can, but... Oh, you two like collector. <laughs> yeah, that's what I know that you I really library. like. I know that you really love the physical edition of games are. So how do you feel about that? Nintendo like listening to its fans and then doing something like this, which in the end might even cost them a little bit of mo- more money to do. Well, like like we were saying at the end of the last article, Nintendo listened to fans. Mm-hmm. Like the developers are listening to their fans and fans wanted a physical copy. Uh-huh. And that's phenomenal in my opinion i mean yeah it may end up costing them a few bucks in the end but at least they're gonna keep their user interface and Mm -hmm. they're gonna keep their player base you know i mean in my opinion of all the companies out there like the big gaming companies nintendo is absolutely phenomenal at listening to what their fans want and delivering on that too i mean with nintendo you just really feel like they care about the people who use their products right that's why i love nintendo so much Except when it comes to online, but that's for another t- Yeah, we're not going to get into that. That's a whole can of worms, but, what they're trying to do with their online service. But, but no, Nintendo's always <clears throat> been the friendly company. They've always been the, the big huggable company that loves their, their fans and their users. Mm-hmm. It just it didn't feel like another soulless corporation. But I'm sure there's some behind-the-scenes crappy things that they've done, but I mean, altogether, you just get that vibe from Nintendo that they really care about you, and I really appreciate that. I mean, throughout my long history of gaming, I have never once been disappointed with Nintendo. I mean, maybe briefly with some of their previous consoles. You're talking what? about the Wii U. Just say the Wii U. Yeah, I'm just talking about the Wii U. Just say the Wii U. We know what you're talking about. And the Virtual Boy. Uh, oh, yeah, well, that... The that Virtual Boy seizures. was ahead of its time. And it caused seizures. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You, you, you have a seizure now and again. It just happens. <laughs> I bought a Wii U. They were... It was fine. Uh, you know what's funny is what's I... The- I thought, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought about buying a Wii U the other day because I really want to play Wind Waker. 
It has a lot of good. It had a good library. Not at the beginning, not at it, launch. It, it but... took five years, but yeah. it got there. <laughs> but, but hey, it's it's there now, and Nintendo will continue to make waves. The Nintendo Switch is already, I mean, doing absolutely phenomenal. You know, with sale. I don't know what they're up to in sales right now, but fifty-two point eight six million as of their last earning report. That Damn. Is, yeah, that's crazy. Because I think the PS2, which is like the highest, is only at one hundred four. I'm gonna have to look up that stat later. One fifty-four. 150. Okay, I'm a little off. I know stats. Yes. Stonks. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Um, any anything else to add on that, Czar? Stay healthy. Yeah, please keep yourself healthy. Wear masks. Just do what you got to do. Please stay safe. So I thought this would be funny to talk about on the last article. This is. Robbie Ludwig from over at Fox News. That's how you know it's going to be good. Yeah. Are video games a mental health hazard for our kids? Well, I like how the the poster picture, I guess, video for the article is Sonic so- the freaking hedgehog. <laughs> Not just Sonic. Sonic the, the- is ruining our children. <laughs> Amen. The movie adaptation. The new one, I should add. The one that... Oh, yeah. that Yeah, that's a clip from the movie. That's not even a video game. No. <laughs> that's just a movie about a video game. That's funny. Sonic is ruining our damn children. <laughs> the important part of this article is we can clearly see it is opinion. So we'll see how Okay, yes, I should. Goes. Yeah, good point. It is an opinion article. Are video games placing our kids in danger? Are aggressive video games mentally malevolent and placing the young generation at risk for long-term mental health problems? The current research results may surprise you. Why? Because the recent findings are a bit more nuanced and complex than you might expect. Video games come in different forms, but only a few have been studied closely in terms of their effect on the brain. Dr. Daphne Bolivier, a brain scientist at the University of Rochester, researched homicidal first-person shooter games such as Call of Duty. I'm just gonna... It's always Call of Duty that they go to for this. Oh, yeah. For Co- things like this. It's always the Call of Duty. Or, or, you know, some other first-person shooter that theoretically encourages mass murder. Mm-hmm. She found that the gamer's brain showed activity in multiple brain regions showing numerous and surprising visual spatial benefits in areas such as attention, task switching, brain plasticity, learning, short-term memory, perception, and perceptual decision-making skills. Dr. Bolivier is not the only researcher who found these types of games encourage a more flexible mindset and faster reaction time than those of non-gamers. So this is actually... Very positive. Yeah, honestly, it's something I didn't expect to see from these guys. It's more of an article of like, hey, here's an opinion that's somewhat popular that video games make kids violent, and here's evidence to show why that's not true. Well, we haven't got we haven't got there yet. Just that it has some positive benefits. Okay. These visual spatial skills being developed can help prepare children for future jobs in mathematics, engineering, the natural sciences, economic forecasting, architecture, as well as careers in art and design, all fields that require visual adeptness. Gamers also show higher levels of executive function, which is the ability to make split-second decisions. In fact, the new research is at odds with the idea that violent video games make kids less sensitive to violence and or more likely to commit aggressive acts. That sounds completely contradictory to the entire article. Well, they weren't saying, like, this is something that happens. It was just asking, are video games a mental health hazard for our kids? uh, Psychologist Christopher Ferguson thinks the studies linking video games to violence were improperly analyzed and ignored the very important social factors of the mental health status and family environment of the gamers. Honestly, from what I can see, it actually looks like a pretty nuanced piece where, like, whoever wrote this actually kind of put out just information and lets you do with it what you want. 
And well, that that's a nice change too. Yeah, because, you're not like, kidding. Because I mean, how long now have we been dealing with this? Especially lately, the whole video games cause violence thing. Oh yeah, everyone's trying to link video games with real world violence. But you know, every time there's a school shooting in the states, that's the first thing that oh people God, like they, to talk about. They had a copy of COD. They, that's yeah. why they shot it up. No. In my in my experience, whenever I have a rough day, and everybody thinks of, of acts of violence because that's normal for human beings. We we get mad and we want to solve it in the simplest way possible. But when I go home after those terrible days and play a game, my bloodlust is is satiated through the virtual world right i think it actually video games can actually reduce the symptoms of everyday stress and all this crushing weight of reality i mean for anybody who says video games does like contribute to some type of like aggression behavior and young kids they always go to call of duty what always drives me bonkers is Call, shoot first person shooters take up like a very small percentage of video games to be honest like it's never like these kids who play stardew valley need to be <laughs> minecraft those are the real killers folks i'm really surprised PETA hasn't gone after animal crossing oh dear Lord. <laughs> i think the uh best way we can summarize this is at the very end do parents need to observe evaluate and monitor the impact these games are having on their children you bet that one I can totally get behind. I think so many times parents use their video games as an escape and then their kids just get into some nasty habits and then they want to make the video games the reason that there's a problem between their relationship with the kids. Well, mm. don't buy your 10-year-old an M-rated game with uh, extreme violence and blood. Yep. Summed up pretty well. I mean, there's not a whole lot else to say. It's just something that we've been dealing with as gamers is just kind of this. You know, every time there's some type of tragedy, just people want to point to the video games and say it's their fault. When really, I mean, there's much more evidence supporting the idea that video games can be good for kids rather than, you know, detrimental to their psyche. And it's actually really nice to see an article coming from Fox News of all places that has like a nuanced opinion of that. Like, Here's details that support both of those things. Form your own opinion. Yeah, it, it's definitely good to see that not everybody is trying to scapegoat video games. Not everybody. I feel better. <laughs> I feel better too. All right. I think that pretty much wraps up our news articles for the week. Good job, guys. This is going really well so yeah. far. Absolutely. The next segment of the podcast is just talking about some of the games that are coming out in the next week. So today is the 7th of February. So let's see what came out today. Zach, what do we got? Got the Turing Test for Switch. Never heard of it. Or the Turing Test. I can't even read. The, yeah, the Turing Test for the Nintendo Switch. Another Switch port. That's Because that's been out for other consoles for quite a while now. I think I've had it downloaded for about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And you have Metro Exodus, Sam's Story DLC for basically everything, even Stadia. Ooh, even Stadia, good. Even Stadia. <laughs> yeah, so that game must be doing pretty well. Uh, Yakuza 5. Have you guys ever played anything from the Yakuza series? Uh-uh. I mean, I've heard that it's phenomenal. Maybe when I was younger, like Yakuza 2 on the PS2, but mm. I don't remember anything. Well, Zar, here's your chance, because on that same day, February 11th, the Yakuza Remastered Collection Day 1 Edition for PS4 is coming out. Ooh, so I can catch up. <laughs> you can catch up. 
Only on your PS4 though, so sorry oh, about that. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Um, and then, yeah, Necronator, Dead Wrong, Best Friends Forever. Ooh, that and sounds like such a friendly game. That's why it's going on the Switch. <laughs> I'd play Best Friends Forever. And then Dark Siders Genesis, a lot of it's coming out on February 14th. So that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm glad they're, you know, reviving the Darksiders saga because that was that was a game where you played as one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like the first one you played as war, the second one you played as death. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I've never played. And, you know, I was always hoping that you'd be able to play as the other two horsemen, but I think they took it in a different direction hmm. with like destruction, some hero of, of destruction maybe, but... No, it was a really cool game that brought in a lot of mythology into a modern culture. Yeah. Very underrated. We've also got Dreams coming out for the PS4. I'm not have just in your sleep now. <laughs> and then don't forget the big one, JP, the DualShock 4 back button attachment. You know, I know to a lot of people that sounds pretty fucking ridiculous, but I'm actually thinking about picking that up. You never know. <laughs> Shut up, okay? It's gonna... Well, also Street Fighter Five comes out. <laughs> Yay! Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's the February fourteenth that, lineup. That's pretty huge. Everything coming up for the next week. Yeah, there are actually a lot of games coming out. Keep them coming. All right, all right, guys. So for the next segment of the podcast, it is time to talk about the games that we are playing. Yay! <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, Zach. It is your turn to tell us about The Witcher 3. Oh my gosh. I have been waiting forever to play The Witcher 3. Heard a lot of good news, but I knew, I prayed, I hoped that one day it would come to Switch. I am so glad that it did because now I can pick it up, take it anywhere, and it's really, I think, helped me finish this just ginormously massive RPG. There's just nights where I'm laying in my bed and I'm like, oh God, it's 1 a.m. I have work tomorrow. (laughs) I, I was like, just a little bit more. And it just keeps going because there's just a story segment leads into story segment. And I'm not going to lie, the graphics, from what I've seen from compared to PS4, PC, and Xbox, definitely downgrade. But you still get that general awesome scope of this beautiful world that you're just constantly amazed by. I mean, that's the constant struggle between the Switch, right? It's like, it's just how it is. It's the less powerful console. But a lot of people weigh that in- against like how much they love portability and that's always the big one is are you willing to take that little hidden graphics if you can take it wherever you go especially since on the screen of the switch you can hardly tell that it looks different right and um i mean it's the switch battery i think i only get like three hours of like solid game time so it's pretty equivalent to like breath of the wild damn which is to be expected let's be real um so graphics definitely not amazing but you still have that awesome scope of a, a beautiful art style right. so witcher and smash witcher, witcher and, and smash witcher and smash <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome uh and then characters I, I don't know i've never i'm so invested i don't want to spoil anything but like i've pretty much just finished like the tutorial area area and now there's like velen and i finally finished that place and i fell in love with the character that's a total piece of shit like a terrible person terrible human being but he did such a good job of building him up and kind of giving him like a little bit of a redemption arc right um yeah uh and just like it seems like you have so many meaningful decisions that actually play out really well like i got to pretty much choose if he lived or died and i'm pretty like i was like i don't want anyone to die because i want to get like the full scope so i was like trying to save him (laughs) 
Apparently that was the right decision according to Google, so I'm, I'm gonna try and stop Googling stuff, but that's how much I overthink my decisions in these games. <laughs> you know what's actually really refreshing is a lot of games where like you get choice, um, a lot of players complain that like, for example, any Telltale game, or not even Telltale, like, have you guys heard of the Life is Strange series? Oh yeah. The biggest complaint when it comes to games that give you choice is that it doesn't really affect the game that much, whatever you choose. So it's actually really refreshing to hear you say that, like, choices you make in the game actually have real consequences and, you know, make crazy decisions that you're like, oh, should I have done that? Or like, oh, man, maybe I should have done this differently or I did the right thing here. That's really cool to hear. You're right. And it's it's an overwhelming game at first. But I think once you, like, let it settle in and get used to UI, get used to, like, the gameplay, um, it really helps because I've heard like the combat feels sluggish, but I don't know. I like, I like there's a bunch of options with the combat and they all kind of lead to the same result. Right. So, I mean, it can be as varied as you want. Like if you get lazy and just want to slash your sword a bunch of times, yeah, it's going to feel a little silly, but there's a lot of other things you can do. And the boss fights really help add some variety to that. So the Witcher three is everything that you've been told. It's an amazing game. It's wonderful. Even on the switch with a little bit of downgraded graphics. I really, I honestly prefer it that way because I feel like I can actually sink myself into the story and continue to go through it even though it's such a long game. Now, if you had to give it a score out of 10, what would you say? It's a 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah. You'd give it a 9 out of 10. 10 wow. out of 10. A 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. 10 out of 10. Damn. Starting the series with, off with a perfect score. Uh, it's up there with Breath of the Wild and, um, gosh, I'm trying to get some more perfect games. I think it's just, uh, it's up there. Just one of the best games of all time. It's got a few issues but the amount of things that it's come that um that it gives you it's it's really good value and amazing storytelling i've had the witcher 3 on my shelf for over a year and i haven't played it you're that makes me really want to pick it up as soon as you guys get the hell out of my apartment <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what about uh you czar uh well currently i've been pretty deep into borderlands 3 i know Ooh. it's been out for a while but hey it's never too late to talk about a really good game i mean holy crap the grind is unreal with that game i just hit uh i think it was level 100 guardian rank damn so, aside from how long the, did that take you not as long as you'd think you know you kick up there there's an artifact that you get kind of towards the end of the game that just destroys any concept of the game you had and and manipulates it to a sense where sometimes the enemies do 30 plus damage sometimes your corrosive doesn't do any damage at all oh dear lord so you have to continually and and that actually changes based on every map that you transition to so you go into a different map all of a sudden now instead of using a pistol you have to use a shotgun because your pistol does nothing <laughs> so you have to constantly adapt your gameplay and your play style to progress further into the game. And, you know, when I originally picked it up, I was really worried because I heard a lot of, oh, it's just the same Borderlands over and over. You know, it's Borderlands 2 with a few new story missions. But really, it's a, it's a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. it, it is a very intense and deep story that, it, I thought was really cool from the Borderlands. Um, a lot of people don't think of it too heavily in story because it's just your shooting loot, but the story actually is pretty cool. I thought that they did a really great job with characters, especially. especially. Um, the new characters that they introduced, like uh, Vaughn, 
Love Vaughn. Oh, he. I think Vaughn was actually originally introduced in Tales from the Borderlands. Speaking of was he really? I didn't yeah. play Tales. I played one and two and three. Yeah, but I did not play Tales. That was, I think, where uh, Gearbox really decided that they wanted to create an immersive story in in this new world that they had created. Mm-hmm. How great is Tiny Tina? <laughs> Tiny Tina is no longer tiny, but she is just as insane and still my favorite character. <laughs> Her in the B team, which is actually kind of a funny concept because uh, the B team is comprised of Tiny Tina, Brick, and Mordecai. Mm-hmm. So two of the original cast of Borderlands. And they're like completely separate from the rest of the story. The You know, the Crimson Raiders led by Lilith are off doing their own thing. And Tiny Tina and the gang are just kind of kicking it in the sticks, blowing crap up in the middle of the desert. And they'll (laughs) occasionally pop up and help the story whenever necessary. But Mm -hmm. Um, another thing that I thought was really interesting about Borderlands is they added a lot more elements of destruction and got rid of a lot of the stupider ones. Like in Borderlands 2... Uh, one of the elements was slag, which was almost useless unless you had somebody else with you to yeah. use a different element Absolutely. to buff damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also removed, much to Mr. Torg's d- dismay, uh, explosions as an element. So, they did, didn't they? Yeah. That's so. I, w- I realized that like only halfway through the game. I'm like, because I love explosive weapons. Oh, yeah. They're my favorite. I was like, where the hell is all the explosive stuff? I mean, they still do bonus <laughs> damage based on their own stats, as explosives but they're no longer an element which i liked because i thought that was kind of dumb to have an explosion as an element i liked it i thought it was cool but teach their own but you know then they they introduced uh uh, cryo as a new element which i i thought really should have been introduced since the first game you would have thought wouldn't you well yeah because you got like melting you got burning and you would think freezing would be up yeah. on that list too it's but so that's thing. one of the new ones along with radiation which is basically like corrosion but things explode when they die oh, so there's your explosion right there yeah, well, yeah absolutely. There, there's your explosion God, <laughs> is so cool yeah it, it really is <laughs> love the game gonna continue to grind in it can't stop won't stop Although I will say the legendaries are a bit excessive. You pump up your luck and... Oh, I noticed that. In Borderlands 2, I never found a legendary weapon through like a normal playthrough. I didn't find a single one. Nope. In Borderlands 3, I found one literally 15 minutes into the game. Oh yeah, well, people are all over the internet trying to find level level 1 legendaries. And (laughs) those are apparently abundant and all around. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I love Borderlands 3. It is not just... A copy and paste of other borderlands i think they really didn't well it's not that they revived borderlands but they are keeping it well and alive that's a yeah absolutely awesome. so what's your score there then what do you got for a score dylan let's hear it are I... crap <laughs> i would have to give borderlands 3 probably an 8.5 i mean I think that's fair there's a couple things. Uh, I've had to uh, restart my game a couple times because of some quest glitches where, like, a mm. character just wouldn't move or the next dialogue wouldn't be forced. Right. Also, the intro loading screen with Claptrap dancing is just infuriating as all else. It is, <laughs> it is five minutes of watching Claptrap dance just before you can start your game, and it enrages me more than anything else. I could watch Claptrap dance for hours. I... I love Claptrap. 
But yeah, Fuck trap, bro. Aside from some of those right. delays, and oh, also uh, the cutscenes will glitch out occasionally, and the uh, dialogue will be forced before the visuals. So mm-hmm. people will say the things they say before their lips actually move. All right, so I'm playing DBZ Kakarot. So I was interested in this game. I mean, it's a Dragon Ball Z game. Honestly, I played the games before I got super into the anime. A lot of people just love Dragon Ball Z, and they played the games because of the show. It was the opposite for me. I bought the games, and then I got into the show. Uh, so the first game I ever played was uh, Budokai Tenkaichi 3 on the uh, PS2. That is and big mouthful. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of words. It's what happens when you have so many games come out. It's just like, just kept getting added on, and that's how they just make up game time. I'm pretty sure they go through like a random word generator, and they're like, all right. Dragon Ball Z, you know. What is a How many different ways can we I say don't. tournament? <laughs> is that what it means? I'm like 90% sure it's like special tournament. Budokai's tournaments. I'm trying to remember what Tenkaichi means. Okay. So. Translate. So graphics and art style. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, the game looked really, really good. You know, the art style looked exactly like a Dragon Ball Z episode. The animations were off just a little bit. You could especially see it with, like, uh, mouth syncing. And towards the end of the game, I mean, the animations with the characters were so stiff, it was almost as if they were like, fuck it, I am so sick of working on this game. Just, <laughs> it's fine, just put it out, just put it out, it's fine. Like, people's mouths were moving, but, like, their bodies weren't. It was super robotic and weird-looking. That's really annoying. <laughs> it really was. It drove me nuts. Luckily, it was only at the ending where it was that big of a deal. But if lip syncing is something you're serious about, yeah, it's going to piss you off. Oof. There was one time I noticed where Piccolo was talking where his lips weren't moving at all. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, come on, guys. He was speaking telepathically. Because <laughs> Namekians have that power? <laughs> I, You know, I think... I think he just had that with Nail and... Uh, Nail? Okay, sorry. Nail. <laughs> Nail. <laughs> okay, so characters. I mean, it's a Dragon Ball Z story, you know what I mean? It's so... How many times can they do this story in games? <laughs> uh, but... Apparently a lot. A lot they're of... still making the moon. Oh, yeah, they're still... People are still buying it like crazy. But I mean, it's like nothing... I, I will give them that there were a few side characters that were introduced through like the, you know, side stories, which I'll get into in a little while. But I mean, it's Goku, it's Gohan, it's Piccolo, it's all those guys. It's nothing new to say. Um, story, the sa- it's a Dragon Ball Z game. What can you say? It's uh, They did the Saiyan Saga all the way up to the Buu Saga. I would forgive the game a lot more if they have a lot of material that they could use right now. Like everything going up to the Tournament of Power, maybe? Maybe Dragon Ball Super? Side. Exactly. Stuff. Like what's going on with some of the main characters when they're not with the other main characters. Exactly. Because we all want to know what Yamcha's been up to. Oh, yeah. Give me more Yamcha, <laughs> man. Who doesn't love Yamcha? Just a reality TV show or something like that. <laughs> I, th- I think in the show, he was on a reality TV show. Was he really? Yeah. He you had got- a brief stint as a reality TV show actor, I think. You gotta love Yamcha. <laughs> and a baseball career. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> oh, my God. I wanted to talk about the gameplay a little bit. Uh, so game mechanics wise, um, what separated this game from other Dragon Ball Z games is they obviously tried to go with, not obviously, they uh, 
started to go with more RPG type elements, you know? I think they saw the trend that open world is the big new thing and people love open world games and being able to kind of diverge from the story a bit to go do things in the world. And that's- Love doing everything else but the main story. Yeah, you're <laughs> damn sure. right. Especially when it's a story you've seen time and time again, like Dragon Ball Z. So that's all well and good. My problem with it is that they didn't really do anything particularly well within those RPG elements, you know? Like, you just weren't enticed to go do anything, really. Um, fighting anything other than the main story characters, you barely got any experience, so it was hardly worth doing. There weren't really a ton of useful items you could collect. Um, the food system worked a little bit like uh, Breath of the Wild, where, like, you know, uh, you can make yourself a meal... And you can eat it and you get some stat boosts. But unlike Breath of the Wild, they don't do a whole lot. They're a very tiny boost. It's a drop in the ocean. You know, it's just like, it, it irritates me a little bit because they had this opportunity to really do something cool with it. And I feel like they just, it fell on its face a little bit. As far as fighting goes, like the way that the fighting works in the game. Um, That's the heart and core of a DBZ game. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. I mean, uh, all of this stuff could be absolutely terrible. If it's got good fighting mechanics, people will forgive all of it. So how were the fighting mechanics? Well, um, as opposed to your normal, like, triangle, circle, X, like, combat system where you get, like, punch and kick and your key blasts, and it's all allocated to just the circle button? Oh. I'm a PS4 player, so circle button for me. <laughs> so, like, you punches and kicks are just the circle button. Uh, triangle is like your key blasts and then for like your special moves it's like you hold down L1 and then you get your Kamehameha and like all these different uh, attacks that are allocated to different buttons on the controller and when you want to use one of those attacks time slows down a little bit so that you can actually like pick an option in the menu. Oh, that's nice. You're yeah, not so, actually taken out of it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's not like you're getting, you're in the middle of a full-blown fight. It, time kind of goes slow so that you can pick an option, and yeah, it works out really well. Um, same goes for all the transformations. You hold down L2 and R2, and like for Goku, who has the Kaioken plus Super Saiyan 1, 2, and 3, you hold down those buttons, and then you get to just select from the menu. A lot of people feel like they would have gotten taken out of it a little bit because of how simplistic the uh, fighting is, but I mean, I don't know. I think it all kind of works pretty intuitively because, I mean, at the end of the day, working with those buttons and having these different combinations are nice, but a lot of people just like to find that one combination that just kicks ass and just use that repeatedly anyway. I feel like this cuts out the middleman just a little bit. Well, I mean, it's hard to make a fighting game that's not ultimately at its core button masher. It, absolutely. So, you know what? A lot of people have a problem with the fighting. I thought it was great. Um... And yeah, that's kind of all my thoughts on the game. It so, was. Uh, yeah, what will be your final score? If I had to give it a score, um, it'd probably be a seven and a half out of ten. The RPG, the RPG elements that they didn't really deliver on, kind of took me out of it a little bit. I feel like they could have done a much better job with that. Um, if the animations were more on point, I could have given it some more points. But no, I think seven and a half. Still pretty good pretty, score. With when it comes to Dragon Ball Z games, you know what? That's pretty standard. Well, the fans will always be diehard with that series. That's who the game is made for <laughs> at this point, honestly. And you know what? I can already see DLC in the future for like all those things, like everything up to the Tournament of Power. So is there a fusion, huh? There is. Oh. There is. Between Goha, uh, Goten and Trunks, you get the fusion. And then, what are the name of the earrings that uh, Goku and Vegeta need to use? The Patara? The... Yes. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, so you see that all in the Boo Saga. I would really like... Hey, 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 spoilers! <laughs> I would really <laughs> like to see a Dragon Ball Z game where you could take any character you play as and fuse them with another. Wow, Just make a, a creation of abominations in the DBZ. <laughs> Yamcha, Tien, like in Budokai 2. Oh, God. Oh, no. Yamcha and Krillin all the way. Yamcha and Krillin? <laughs> Do you think it would be like a middle size between the characters or <laughs> just shorter than Krillin. <laughs> just a little bit taller than Krillin. <laughs> I guess obviously the rules have to be like different if everyone's doing it. Don't they have to be the same power level and same like size? Oh yeah, they shape. have to be like identical in physical shape and power. <laughs> I mean, the power, no, Krillin's pretty strong now. Relative to other humans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Krillin is strong, but he's still Krillin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's just the truth. I mean, like, Krillin. What do you think <laughs> a fusion between Boo and Piccolo would look like? Ugly. Next <laughs> <question>. <laughs> Horrible. Bulma and Cheech. Thanks. Oh, God. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> Super nag. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. If you liked what you heard, why not follow us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at the Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at the Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at the Game Tea Podcast. We would also greatly appreciate it if you followed us on Patreon. We offer lots of great rewards for people who choose to support us monetarily. Head on over to the Game Tea Podcast at Patreon to see all the amazing things that you can receive when you decide to become a patron.